Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is where the big girls play and where Eric Bischoff calls in to answer your questions live. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. There it is. Hello, fans of 83 Weeks. Welcome to the show that is yours. It's all yours just for you and us. We all love 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. We have listened to this week's episode. We have some thoughts. Not only that, but the man himself will be Skyping in in just a few minutes to answer your questions. And we appreciate you all for joining us live on YouTube. Hello, Thomas and CJ and RJ and Epic Proportions, Sam, everybody. Hello and welcome to the show. Make sure that you guys are getting your questions ready for Eric. All you got to do is type them there in that little uh, comment box and we will pose them to the man, the legend himself. So that's going to go down in just a few minutes. But first, we got to talk about this Medusa-centric episode. She is one of my faves. And joining me to talk about it today is a a special guest co-host, shall we say. Well, really, he's just filling in. But look at that smile on his face. I made him so happy by making him feel important. You know him as one of the hosts of the AEW After Show on AfterBuzz TV. We call him Jack Farmer. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really pumped to be here. As a late-period WCW fan, I've been looking forward to this all week. My my pitch for you, specifically as a fill-in this week, was that you have a unique perspective coming from a WCW household. Because mm-hmm. I would argue most of us weren't not a WCW Like I Growing right. up in Philadelphia specifically, that is a WWF household. Yes. WCW doesn't permeate. Like, it eventually did permeate to all markets, but generally speaking... But you were there. I was there. You were a WCW household. I was a huge WCW fan, a WCW household, really the whole run of Eric Bischoff, all the way through the very bitter end of of the company. So I I loved it. I was all in on WCW. So I've been... 1998, Jack, is so pumped right now. (laughs) Well, I'm sure Eric will appreciate your enthusiasm and that of the man next to you. He is Eric's digital producer. Hi, Steve Kaufman. Hello. Um, I... Said something to someone today that I think I need to quote more, which is, I'm 33, but I pretty much live for 13-year-old schoolyard me. <laughs> like, pretty much everything I do day-to-day is to make that 13-year-old happy. Well, I, I, I... run I run YouTube pages for Ric Flair. Like, that, I can't think of anything more that would make 13-year-old me... Just aghast. Like, that's what's in the future? So, you know, before Eric comes around, chat roll. If you have a question uh, for Steve Kaufman here, let it roll, guys. We are, of course, as I said, live on YouTube. We do this on the 83 Weeks channel at 5 p.m. Pacific ish, you know, sometimes we're a little late every single Wednesday, so make sure you are joining us. Uh, if you can't then, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and uh, you know, listen to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, which this week was 
kind of about Medusa throwing the WWF Women's Championship title in the trash can. I kind of thought that's what we were going to get the whole episode about, Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a deep dive, but they kind of went and uh, did a little watch along of all of Nitro from December 18th, 1995, which was exactly a certain number of years ago, 24? The, yeah. We'll go with that number. That yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Hey. That was good. <laughs> that's a Yay me. Math. Yeah. Um, but we did get some good juicy stuff about Medusa. I think the most interesting thing here is that she sees things a little differently when she talks about this than Eric did. And uh, I reached out to Medusa to see if she would want to call in and divulge why she left WCW in '93, which is what Eric couldn't recall. Um, and she was unable to do that tonight. But it sounds like in the future we'll be able to get her to answer some of those questions. So, what did you guys think about uh, Eric's characterization of her excitement and kind of the way this whole throwing the belt in the trash thing went down? I felt like she got to do exactly what all of us would want to do after being <laughs> let go from a company, right? Oh my god, you're so right! Like, that would be the most <laughs> thrilling moment to be able to go on TV somewhere and throw your former employer's stuff in the trash. Oh That's She got to live the dream. I'm getting so happy inside right now, just like <laughs> Thinking about the doing that with the NXT microphone? Throwing something. <laughs> <laughs> she went there. Um, I did. But I will say, there's been a lot of contention since this happened, especially since uh, Medusa went into the Hall of Fame and told a different version of events or implied a different version of events than what Eric is telling us and has never changed. Yeah. Which is, she needed somewhere to land. Whether or not she was negotiating while she called him is yet to be determined. Mm -hmm. She needed somewhere to land. She called the president at the time of WCW and said, could I wind up here? He said yes. So they, but like the key is they agreed to hiring her. Mm -hmm. And then she mentioned, I'm also WF Women's Champion and I have no more dates. Mm -hmm. So I have that championship. I'm still that champion. And he says, bring the bell, figure something out. I believe that, I believe that story. Like I don't, I don't see why she thinks she would have needed to be coerced into doing what she did. Mm-hmm. I could also see her changing that story slightly, or changing versions of that of that story slightly, given that WCW did not win the war. Listen, if she sugarcoated a little bit for her Hall of Fame speech, I don't think we can blame mm-hmm. her for that. What I kind of wanted to know more so was how was this acquisition of getting her back to WCW, did that make Eric look at the women's division in any different way? Did it give him any sort of plans? We didn't get an answer about <laughs> that. But I think we will right now because Eric is standing by. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Eric Bischoff. Welcome back to the show that is in for the 83 Weeks fans. Joining us now is author, entrepreneur, former president of WCW, and the host of 83 Weeks. Hello, Eric Bischoff. Oh, I love each and all. <laughs> love you guys. That felt good. Is that how you walked into Conrad's holiday party this weekend? Uh, no, not quite. <laughs> Well, you know, we got to ask you how it was. You know, it was um, relaxing. It, there, there weren't a lot of people there. Uh, Mrs. B and I got in on Thursday night because we drove up. Uh, so we went out to a nice dinner uh, with Megan and, and Conrad and Lori and I. And then uh, Friday, people started rolling in and uh, spent the afternoon uh, chatting and hanging out and had a beverage or two. Then we went out to dinner and ate like Mongolian Warriors at uh, a Brazilian steakhouse, but they just you know, everybody's walking around with big 
slabs of meat and carving it off, and it was a blast. So we had a great time. Sounds like a, a vegan's dream. <laughs> well, I do want to just give you a quick intro here. Uh, filling in tonight for George is uh, Jack Farmer, huge WCW fan. Very excited to be sitting here with you. I think this may be the highlight of his life, Eric. So let's give him a good one. <laughs> I want to kick this off with a little game because, uh, as we just mentioned, Eric went to a, a little holiday shindig this past weekend and saw a lot of his old friends. So, Eric, you know how in high school, at the end of the year, you vote everybody, like, most popular and cutest couple and all that kind of crap? Steve reminded me that they call them superlatives, mm. if you're in for the big word. But we want to, let's pretend like this uh, holiday party was high school, and we're going to have you name a couple of the uh, big winners of the night, all right? So if we were going to holiday party high school, who would be voted the littest of the party, Eric? Who was the uh, drunk, uh, <laughs> who imbibed the most? Who do you vote as littest? You know, <laughs> I'm... I'm going to come off so lame here, but it wasn't that kind of party. I mean, we had a couple cocktails. We went out to dinner, and everybody had a couple drinks, but it was not – it wasn't that kind of party. You know? It wasn't like Animal House. Now, maybe it was after I left because, (laughs) you know, I could have a dampering effect on the crowd. (laughs) But but, uh, while we were there, it was was pretty tame. Well, let's say maybe the dance floor fired up after you left. <laughs> who do you think, out of everyone who was there, who was most likely to twerk? Like, really Dave get Sil- into the music? Dave, yeah. Thank you. Dave, Dave Silva. <laughs> For sure. I think we probably could have guessed that one. And uh, we don't know Absolutely. who was all there, of course, but maybe somebody was the biggest Grinch of the holiday party high? The biggest Grinch? God, everybody was in such a good mood. How do you do that? Oh. <laughs> let me let me take it. I'll I'll take it an extra step and and try to imagine who could play the best Grinch. Okay. In a high school play, so who would that be? <laughs> um. You know, I think I think Conrad is inherently Grinchable. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I I think I, I think if 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 need be, he could go full. Full blown, full metal Grinch. Uh, no, uh, no arguments here. Also, planning a big party is stressful, and true. I could see I could see that energy turning in either direction. That's true. That's true. I could see him doing the uh, "Don't mess up the couch. Don't don't make, <laughs> make sure nothing gets damaged." Is there plastic no, on the furniture Jack, over Jack, there? Conrad's <laughs> not anything like that. He's a terrific host, and so is Megan. They made us feel perfectly at home. And you know, I know you know one would think you know. We were all geared up for this really wild, you know, Christmas party. And like I said, it may have been after we left because we had to leave on Saturday. And the name of the Christmas party, by the way, was a no holes barred Christmas. Love that. Nice. So, yeah. So it at least it had the potential of turning into a real frat fest after I left, but. <laughs> It just wasn't while I was there. Well, maybe you and Conrad are the answer to this one, but who had the biggest bromance of the weekend? Which two guys were like really uh, I, happy I, I, to see each other? I'll just speak for myself. I've got a thing for Dave Silva. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. No, I do. I told my wife because, you know, Mrs. B hadn't met. You know, she never met Conrad face to face and, 
you know, a lot of the people that I'm involved with in, on the pad, podcast side of my business, um, she has never met. She knows them. She's spoken to, to them on the phone, but never really met them. So this was an opportunity for me to introduce her to some of my partners, friends, and, and people she doesn't know. So, um, And I told her on the way to Huntsville, I said, you know, these are the best people. And I mean this sincerely. They're the nicest people. They work hard. They're loyal as hell. And they love what they're doing. They're having a blast. And I said, and I can't wait for you to meet Dave Silva because Dave is one of those people that when he walks into a room, you know, I, I, I've used this before, but it's true. Um, you could be like in a shitty mood or, you know, be kind of negative or cynical. And then Dave Silva walks in a room gets a big old grin on his face, laughs a little bit, and everything changes. He's just the, he's that dynamic of a character and a personality. So, And when I got done describing Dave to Mrs. B, she kind of went... <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, it's not like that. Not. I love him, just not like that. Well, that's a great bromance. One more for you. Who had the ugliest sweater of the party? You're a former model. You could weigh in on this. Ironically, that would be me. Ah. But that's that's my wardrobe, you know? Same same sweaters and sweatshirts I've been wearing for 20 years. Hell, I've worn worn my Wyoming shirt on on this stream probably two dozen times in the last year or so. <laughs> hey, you got to represent. Well, it was fun to hear a little bit about the party. You know, uh, all of us folks who don't get the invite like to hear about how the other half lives. So thank you for giving <laughs> us the inside scoop on that. And turning to this week's uh, 83 Weeks episode where you talked about Medusa and covering that nitro from uh, 24 years ago. We just decided we did the math. Um, I wanted to hear a little bit more about what getting her back into WCW, if that changed your plans for the women's division. Like when she made that call and you knew she was coming, did you think, oh, wow, what can I do now with the women of WCW? Well, we didn't have a lot of women in WCW at the time. So uh, it wasn't like, oh, great, we can walk walk her into this really great angle with because there was no with right. around. Um, but knowing that Medusa was coming in and knowing that I had uh, obviously a, a good relationship with the, the uh, folks over at New Japan Pro Wrestling and would have access to a lot of the Japanese female wrestlers, it would give me the ability to almost initially kind of put on some pretty um, some pretty big matches with the international flair. So it, it kind of – Medusa coming in allowed me to check two boxes really. Number one, bring in you know a female – talent that was experienced and, and, and great in the ring uh, and a great character with a proven track record. But it also allowed me to, in, in an even bigger way, open up that kind of international vibe that I was looking so hard to develop and do it using some of the, the women from Japan that a lot of the domestic audience had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Jack? Yeah, I've always... Speaking of not having a lot of other women for her to have matches with, do you think she'd be looked at as an even bigger star today? Or do you think she was maybe a little too far ahead of her time to have people to work with? If she, if she had more people with her, do you think we'd hold her in even higher regard? Uh, that's a good question, Jack. And I think I, I agree with you that Medusa was very much ahead of her time. <clears throat> very, very much. Um, but... I, I don't think if we had more women there, 
given given the quality of female talent that was available here in the United States, they wouldn't have been able to keep up with Medusa, mm-hmm. most of them, at that period of time. You know, you have to, you know, it's call it, it is what it is. You know, we're all adults here and we can pretend things were um, different than they were back in the mid-90s, but there just weren't a lot of women wrestlers in the mid-90s. It wasn't a thing. The WWE didn't have, you know, the type of talent that they have now. You know, what we see now is a, you know, exciting, powerful, important part of the wrestling uh, world is the women's division. Back then, that wasn't the case. And the women that were wrestling really weren't really, they, for the most part, I'm not saying this was true 100% across the boards, but for the most part, um, there were very few women outside of the U.S. that could keep up with Medusa. Had there been, you know, in a totally um, fictitious world, you know, in in a, a, a hypothetical universe, if there had been a lot of women as talented then as they are today, would that have helped Medusa? Of course it would, because talent kind of elevates each other and and more people would have been aware and all that. But it just wasn't the case back then. Switching gears slightly, uh, Tom Smith in the chat wants to know, when Scott Norton was IWGP world champion, were there any plans to have him defend that championship in WCW? Uh, Great question. Fair question. Uh, There very well may have been. Uh, There were a lot of discussions taking place and a lot of ideas thrown around. Uh, And I don't think that that's an idea that would have uh, that would have not made sense at the time so I'm I'm sure it was at least discussed at one point or another but nothing stands out that I can point to and uh, another question from a fan this one pretty deep James asked do you think the WWE is ashamed or embarrassed to be associated with wrestling it seems that they are constantly chasing a mainstream slash real world acceptance that they will never be able to achieve thoughts on that um that's a pretty negative, cynical view. Uh, I under, understand why people say things like that. And a lot of that comes, I think, from chat rooms and shit that people read on the board and all the things that people do to kind of bitch and whine and moan about the business that they supposedly love so much. So I, 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 I get that. But, you know, the real reason that WWE is – constantly looking for a way to partner up with other mainstream celebrities, musicians, causes, um, you name it, is because that's how you promote your business, folks. You know, that's that's what makes the world go around. And I don't care if it's professional wrestling or if you, you know, you own a, a manufacturing company that makes urinal biscuits. <laughs> you, know, you you still... Make your money by promoting and marketing your company and making it as widely known and broad and, and mainstream as you possibly can. So I don't. I, I just wish people wouldn't always go to that dark, bitchy place. <laughs> well, the exact opposite of that. Woohoo! We have a super chatter in the chat. CJ LaChapelle putting down big money to ask you this question, Eric. On WCW, why was the ring announcer barely audible on TV? At that time, it didn't bug me that much, but now I hate it. Again, I just want to reiterate that he paid you $10 to ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank he you, CJ. He paid me $10 or he paid you $10? Paid the channel $10. How much of that do I get? $10. I'd rather not. 
tell everyone. I'd rather not tell everyone the revenue split. <laughs> let's let's assume I can at least squeeze a Coors Light out of it on the road. I think so. Right? Um, why was that? I you know I guess there was a difference in philosophy, production value philosophy throughout the years. And I think at one point, it, you know, the ring announcer just really wasn't considered to be part of the show. It was more, you know, it was ambient noise, basically. And, you, you know, you would hear him in the background, but he wasn't necessarily on camera as a character. And that's changed over the years. And I'm sorry that it bugged you. And <laughs> hopefully you're going to be able to uh, wean yourself off of mid-90s wrestling and, <laughs> Get back into the 2019 version where you can hear the ring announcers loud and clear. If that's what, <laughs> that's, 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 that's what gets you there, buddy. It's a pretty technical question. Uh, Terry James also gave us a super chat. What was the decision? What was behind the decision to put Randy Savage into the NWO? I don't think there was any one thing. I, I don't think there was a, a seminal thought or, or or goal. I think it was. Essentially, as we did so often, all right, well, what are we going to do next week? What are we going to do at the next <laughs> pay-per-view? What's next? And somebody said, somebody on the other side of the table would go, hey, I got an idea. What if we do this? And then somebody else would say, nah, that's bullshit. Let's do this <laughs> instead. And by the time everybody got done ripping each other's ideas, we'd have an idea <clears throat> left sitting on the table. And that's more than likely how that happened. Yeah, uh, yeah, Chris Croninger on Twitter uh, just asked, when are you going to be a guest commentator on AEW Dark? Um, I don't know. Do they do that? Never as that. as Never. the uh, AfterBuzz host of AEW Dynamite, I would love for you to, uh, to make an appearance on there. Well, you know. Write a check. <laughs> I'll make some phone calls. Submit a question in the right. super chat. Um, uh, Wayne Moses has a good one. He's asking Eric, why weren't there any NASCAR drivers, or were, were there any NASCAR drivers considered to be involved in a storyline or a match when you guys had that sponsorship deal with them? That would have been so cool. Yeah, no, it's a nice, cool idea on paper, but no, in reality, have you seen most NASCAR drivers? <laughs> No, and I'm not making fun of them. I'm just going to point something out. They're about this big. Yeah. It's like you can pick jockeys. them up and put them in small, your pocket right? and take them for a walk like a monkey. <laughs> no, they're they're like little people. But you know, but you know, you know, you don't see too many 240 pound NASCAR drivers because it's too much weight in the car, right? I mean, these they're like gymnasts. I'm not taking away from the athletic skills or abilities or their endurance or all the other, you know, amazing talents that they have to to reach that level in their particular sport but you know they're they need to be able to jump out of a car quick <laughs> and they go through the and they go through the windows because the doors don't open you can't have a big jacked up you know 240 pound guy in a nascar you just it's just you couldn't get him in you couldn't get him out god forbid something goes wrong you have to get the jaws of life to get him out of there it's horrible so they're all little teeny tiny for the most part, <laughs> slightly smaller than average people. Um, and I don't think that would be good TV. <laughs> but And besides besides that, have you ever heard – oh, I'm going to get so much heat for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You guys ready? Yes. Have you ever heard one NASCAR driver cut a decent promo? 
Oh. <laughs> Have you ever? Yeah, I you mean, I'm not taking in a lot of that programming, but I see it right. You see it on TV, right? <laughs> <laughs> they try. They try really hard. They try really hard to cut promos and sound like tough guys. And they even get out of their cars. And this is really funny shit. When these guys get in a fight in the pits, they come bailing out of their cars. They look like 12-year-old kids carrying these giant helmets, right? And they got their they're wearing these helmets. And it just looks like space something, right? And they come out. And you're pushing each other. Their heads look like bobbleheads because they can barely hold up the helmet. It's so heavy. And then they start pushing each other around. And I'm thinking... How the fuck are you going to hurt each other wearing a crash helmet? <laughs> it's bad, badly produced professional wrestling. And, and then, then they start cutting promos. And it's like, oh, my God. Get a hook. Oh, I love that. Well, I, maybe you could write for some of them, Eric. That's what I was about to say. I think we found a freelance job for Eric if he wants it. <laughs> no, he doesn't want it. I then. Mean, no. No. Uh, well, Teddy Corbin from the live chat wants to know, was there ever a plan to use Greg Gagne as in-ring talent? He has a suggestion, too. He said, maybe use him as a mid-40s dad who makes weird noises when he sips his morning Sunday coffee. <laughs> that was that was never, never in the books, never on the books. All right. That's me trying that's me trying to form words. <laughs> <laughs> they won't come out. <laughs> I think that's a no, guys. That's a no. That's a no. Um Addicted to Profit asked, does Eric think the re airing of Nitro actually hurt the ratings? I've actually never heard this question asked. Yeah. No, they- it's a that's a really good question. You know, I've I often say that the listeners and I'm not being I'm not trying to be funny here. I have to tell people when I'm trying to be funny because then I guess <laughs> then I get a sympathy chuckle. <laughs> oh, he's trying to be funny. I better laugh. So I'm not trying to be funny when, when I say this. But um, what was the question? No, no, sorry. <laughs> that that uh, they would re-air Nitro. Technically, the West Coast feed they would re-air it for the East oh, Coast I re- feed. All right, yes. I remember. Did, did replaying Nitro hers? Not really, because you have to remember this was before. We had a coast to coast feed, mm-hmm. so we would be up in prime time in on the East Coast and prime time in the Midwest. But by the time we got to, you know, the West Coast, we were you know we went on the air at five o'clock, which a lot of people aren't home from work. You know, you guys live in LA, you know. Yeah. You know, if you work a job, you know, if you work most jobs, you, they they expect you to come scrolling in around nine thirty or ten because it's LA, right? <laughs> But to make up for that, most people that I know that have real jobs are working till 6 or 7 or 8 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. partially because you get in a little bit later and mostly because the freaking traffic is so horrible. You, what good does it do to leave at 6? You're still not <laughs> going to get home till 9 anyway. You right. might as well work, right? <laughs> so that's just life on the West Coast, at least in, in Southern California. But what that second airing did is it allowed us to reach uh, a lot of viewers that we would have not otherwise reached just because they're not home you know at 5 36 7 o'clock you know uh, on the west coast hmm. yeah something i'm very curious about is in all forms of media it seems like teaming up is popular whether it's marvel or star wars movies whether it's tv shows like breaking bad two guys getting together and doing something whether it's collaborations in music why is it teaming up seems to be very popular in storytelling and things in other media, but tag teams are so hard to write stories for, it seems. 
Oh, I don't know if it's hard to, you know, is it a, is it the chicken or the egg? You know, mm-hmm. clearly you don't see a lot of tag team wrestling anymore. If you do, it's kind of a side dish. It's not really a main focus or a main main course. And I think part of the reason for that is it's not that they're harder to write for. You know, there's no limit to people's imagination when it comes to, you know, writing stories, whether it's in a singles or, or, or a tag match. <clears throat> the challenge is it comes down to numbers. I've said this before, and, you know, I know Jim Cornette, you know, tweeted something out disagreeing with me. Imagine that. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> right? But if you do the math and and you just think about it purely as business, you know, let's say you want to make a commitment to the tag team division, okay, which means you're regularly going to have featured at least one tag team match on every show, right? Let's assume that. Maybe two even, right? You should probably have more than one if you want some ongoing storylines and somewhere to go. Well, if you let's just say you're going to commit to one tag team match um, per show. It takes four people to wrestle in that match which means you have twice the amount of overhead to fill that segment than you do in a singles match. Therefore, since it's more, and and you have twice as much airfare, you have twice as much of everything, you have twice as much catering expense, you have twice as much insurance, you you have twice as much of everything when you have four people in a ring as opposed to two. And because of that, there, you don't see anybody with a roster of 47 guys who are dedicated to the tag team division. Right, you may have a couple, and then everything else is just oh, we'll throw them in a tag, or we'll let them tag this week, and then they won't tag next week. That's not really a tag team division. And when you find yourself in that position where you've only got four or five guys who regularly work tags or six or whatever it is, um, but yet you need fifty-two weeks of programming, and you need the story to support it, you don't have enough characters to support the stories you're trying to tell. So I think it it really does, and I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but yeah, it, in order for to tell a, a variation of stories and a lot of stories and have twists and turns and all the things that keep stories interesting for an extended period of time, you need a roster of talent to do it. And if you're going to commit to that deep of a roster just for the tag team division, economically it's really, really challenging. So I, it, it's not a question of creativity or lack thereof. It's a question of resources or lack thereof. Uh, RJ Metal 93 has a very interesting question. Did you ever try to bring Bret Hart into TNA while you and Hogan were there? No. Uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> that was a quick one. Well, Blast Well, Thunder- no, I mean, uh, look, I'm chuckling. I have a lot of respect for Bret. You know, we've, you know, Bret and I have kind of had our little conversation and we're good and you're not going to hear me say anything negative about, about Bret. And I only chuckle not to be, you know, a dick, but to to... It was well known that Brett had suffered a concussion, and I think by the time I got to TNA, it had a heart attack. So the the question, I think, it was just a little bit of a funny question. That's no, it. it's a fair question if you don't follow it at all. Like, but in general, he wasn't he wasn't looking to work for anyone at that time. No, he wasn't. He was completely retired. Well, here's one from Blast Thunder who says, in a shoot interview, Barry Darso said he pitched the idea for the Goldberg gimmick, but that he wanted it for himself. True or false? You know, I've known Barry for a long time, um, and he is not prone to exaggeration. 
So if he did, I'd sure like to hear from Barry who he pitched it to. But hmm. um, I, he may very well have. Like I said, I I know Barry, and Barry's Barry's not one of those cats that you know gets out and does shoot interviews and changes his story every time he does them and embellishes them more to the last time that he did the first time and all that kind of stuff. Also, uh, Barry, Barry's a he's a straight shooter, so uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like yeah I'd like to hear about that. Interesting. Also, that sounds very much like uh, the Bob Holly impersonation on Bruce Pritchard's podcast, where it's like, I got an ideal. How about I just beat everybody? Like, that doesn't sound like a super original idea coming from that. It's just like, True yeah, I'm a wrestler. That. I want to wrestle and win. Yeah, that's, that. that's probably a conversation that I've heard, you know, a couple, 300 times over my career. Well, now, our- here's, here's what we do. I'll come in from out of nowhere. And then the reason it'll get over is because no one would expect it. <laughs> <laughs> of course they wouldn't expect it because you suck. And nobody in their right mind would do that. That's why we're not going to do that. I love that. Well, Eric, before we let you go, we have to ask. uh, You mentioned on 83 Weeks that you were going to go hang out with Hulk Hogan and have a little glass of wine. Inquiring minds want to know when Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan sit down together, red or white? Red. Really? Mm. For the health benefits. Less Mm. sugar. No, it's just what he was pouring. <laughs> <laughs> From a box or a big old jug? You guys get no, fancy? Was, what? Hulk uh, gets good wine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, Mrs. B and I went over and visited with Hulk and uh, Jennifer Monday night. So, yeah, it was great. It was the first time I'd seen him in a long time. And I, I just talked to him this morning. I called him. Uh, you know, Lori and I left, and we both looked at each other and said, God, he looks Better than he has in the last fifteen years. Really? Wow. Now, I, in my opinion, and I called him today and told him that I said, "Dude, because you know, he's <clears throat> the surgery he had it was I, I can't even describe it. It was massive in the reconstruction that they did to his spine. I mean, if you just look at the amount of hardware that they had to take out of, out of his back to put in new hardware, it, it, there's more metal that came out of his back than there is on the front end of my car. Yeesh. It's it's ridiculous. And he, he, he was under. He was in surgery for, uh, I think, right at or close to 10 hours. That's a lot of surgery. And he's rehabbing now. He's having to learn to walk again. And, and he's, he's really doing some extensive rehab. And I've been talking to him on the phone since the day he came out of surgery. And, you know, he's been pretty honest with me and open about what he's going through. And, and I expected him to look so much worse. Yeah. Just because I know what he's been through. And he came to the door. He's in an upright walker. And he comes to the door, answers it. I looked at him. I thought, God, he looks 15 years younger. He's still, obviously, he's got a lot of work to do, you know, post-surgery in terms of rehab. <clears throat> but, you know, his eyes are bright and clear. And he just looked refreshed. And I, I told him today, I said, man, keep doing what you're doing because you look 15 years younger. You may get that WrestleMania 36 match if you keep this up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is awesome to hear. And thank you so much, Eric, for uh, coming and hanging out with us again tonight. This is, of course, our last show for the whole year. So uh, thank you for hosting us on your channel this year and for uh, helping us bring After 83 Weeks to the people, for coming and answering all their questions. They are, as usual, giving you a lot of props here in the chat and saying thank you much. So uh, happy holidays to you and Mrs. B. Enjoy your time with the family and uh we'll see you in 2020 yeah great happy holidays to you guys i, I love doing this with you i really enjoy it jack 
give Tony my number. Uh, will do. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Eric. Bye. He does. Tony has his number. Pretty sure. Yeah, but that was a good joke. I know. That was really good. <laughs> love that. Well, see, Jack, I told you Eric would love you. Yeah, this was a, I, I had a great time. This was awesome. Was this the highlight of your life as I sold it? This was this was up there, yeah. Top top three. I love that. Well, it was certainly great to hear a little bit more about Hulk Hogan, how he's recovering, and, uh, you know, to be a fly on that wall, I can only imagine. Or in that wine. Or in that wine. Ooh, not so much. I always try to rescue them out, you know, before they <laughs> die. But, uh, guys... <laughs> We want to really, really thank all of our chatters who have joined us live tonight, especially our super chatters, RJ and Terry. Yes. No, CJ. CJ LaChapelle and Terry James, thank you so much. Guys, do not forget to come and hang out with us live. We will be Mm -hmm. back the first Wednesday in 2020, I think. No, that's a a New Year's Day. We'll let you know. Why don't you go ahead and follow us all on social media so that you know. Steve, where can they do that at? Uh, My social medias are almost exclusively Twitter. I'm at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I am heavily involved in the wrestling YouTube sphere. So if I'm tweeting the link, chances are I'm involved. Yep, and you can find me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media, as well as on the AEW Dynamite After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Probably this room. Probably this Probably room. This Not room. quite this channel, but close enough. And guys, you can always hit me up at Christy Reports. We're going to have a couple episodes of 83 Weeks that we won't be able to put down. So I want to share my thoughts with you. I want to get all your thoughts on them. So please reach out to me. I insist that you all have a wonderful holiday. Take some time off. Drink some red wine, Hulk Hogan style. And uh, we will be back in 2020. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.